morning. Be back in Genesis chapter number 4. Genesis chapter number 4. We looked last week at verses 1 through 15 at the results of the fall of man and we considered some of the results of the fall. Of course, we saw that Eve had pain and, and agony and childbearing. We saw she had disappointment in childbearing. We saw uh, how that uh, they had to uh, earn their food by the sweat of their brow. They had to put up with the thorns and the thistles and that they had been kicked out of the garden. We've seen a lot of the results of the fall. But in this same passage of Scripture, uh, verse 1 down through verse number 15, we see the way of Cain. We see the way of Cain and we looked at it a little bit last week at how they brought the offering and of course we saw there the first human death that resulted uh, directly from the anger of Cain toward his brother Abel. Now we looked at the fact that in reality Cain was angry at God but Abel was the recipient of Cain's anger and so we, we looked at that and we seen that you know, there was, there was a reason why God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. And in the book of Jude, chapter number 1, verse number 11, I have that uh, verse referenced there on your worksheet. Uh, the Bible refers to false religion as the way of Cain. So false religion is the way of Cain. And I truly believe as we look at this passage of Scripture this evening and look at Cain's offering, we're going to find that Cain's offering was indeed the first uh, false religion. It wasn't uh, something that God uh, decided to institute right then and there. You know, a lot of times we'll get the idea that uh, Cain brought a sheep and uh, or Abel brought a sheep and Cain brought food to the ground and God just made a decision that sheep would be the thing. Uh, but as we looked at last week, uh, uh, God had already let them know because Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that faith cometh by hearing. And so we know that Cain and Abel knew what God required. And so when Cain brought his offering of the fruits of the ground, Cain was trying to go against what God had established. And Cain was it tried to establish the first false religion. And as we look at this, we will see that Cain set the, the pattern for false religion. And all false religions from that day until now have the same characteristics as Cain's religion when he brought this offering. And so there's a lot to look at in here. Pastor Kent came up and was talking to me today a little bit and I was working on this, uh, putting a presentation together and getting some final things put together on it. And uh, I said, this is this is good stuff. We're probably going to end up preaching this on Sunday because this is good stuff. And there's a lot of good things in here as we look at this false religion uh, that Cain started and how it has affected false religions for all time. So we're going to read in Genesis chapter number 4 starting in verse number 1 down through verse number 15. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. 
and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Let's go ahead and read verse 16 as well. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, I thank you how we can look into your word. We can study your word. And Father, as we, as we look into it, Lord, we can glean wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Father, you tell us in the book of Proverbs, uh, Lord, that wisdom crieth out. And Lord, your book is full of wisdom. And Father, I thank you that we have this opportunity, that Lord, we can come together and we can look into your word. And Father, we can gain that wisdom. Now tonight as we look at this uh, thing of the, the way of Cain, the false religion that Cain established. And uh, Father Lord, as we compare it to false religions, Lord, even in our day, I pray dear Father that you will give us understanding. Uh, help us, Lord, to see why it is important, Father, that folks follow the true gospel. And Father, I pray that you'll bless. Bless in the uh, youth meetings downstairs, be with the CG3, be with the teen meeting, be with Aiden and with Pastor Kent. Lord, as they teach the children, I pray dear Lord that you'll do a work, be with the others that are working and help helping down there. I pray, dear Lord, that we will make a difference in the life of these young people, that, Father, we might see them uh, grow up to be uh, people who want to live for you and serve you, Father, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless now in this service, and, Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here in uh, Genesis chapter number 4, and then of course in comparison with Jude chapter number 1, verse number 11, we find the origin and the basis for all false religion. And I want to take a few moments this evening to just draw our attention to some key elements that can always be found in all false religions. Some things that were uh, concerning Cain's uh, offering that can be found in all false religion and actually defines false religion and shows us a definite difference between true godly religion and false religion. Many times uh, we will hear people say, uh, you know, well, at least they're going to church. I know that church doesn't teach right, but at least they're going to church. Uh, or you will hear someone say, you know, they may not believe like we do, but I believe they're going to be okay because they're good moral people. Those type of statements are really only sending people to hell because unless you believe the true gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a false religion that is giving a false sense of security that is sending people to hell. And so tonight as we look at the way of Cain, we will see some characteristics that define these false religions and help us to see why it is important that people know and understand the truth of the gospel. When we look at the way of Cain, the first thing that we see is that it was founded 
on human values. It was founded on human values. The true salvation, the true gospel of salvation revolves around three main points. Uh, That is the work of God, the work of Christ, and the witness of the Spirit. This is the true gospel. That is what it is composed of. But false religion, uh, the way of Cain and all false religion, uh, will always ignore the word of God, the uh, the work of Christ, and the witness of the Spirit, and instead will focus on human values. Uh, uh, Cain's religion ignored uh, these aspects and instead uh, was founded on that which is a priority to unregenerate men. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2 and verse number 16, but for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Whenever we think about the values of men, what is human values, we recognize that 1 John 2.16 explains those values. It tells us what those values are. Unregenerate man values most the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, That which is a priority to man, uh, these three things are man's priority. And whenever you watch men going about their life, whenever you watch men setting their priorities, whenever you watch men uh, determining what is the most important responsibility, unregenerate man will prioritize their physical pleasure, their visual pleasure, and their pride above anything else. But that which is a priority to man is not a priority to God. The focal points of man's attention are not even a consideration in God's plan of salvation. But whenever we look at any false religion, we will recognize that it is founded on human values. Cain's religion was founded on these human values. This is what he valued uh, most. And all false religions ignore what God values and instead focuses on what man values. We'll take a look at that. First of all, we see the lust of the flesh. Uh, We see the lust of the flesh as being that which is appealing physically. That is what man gravitates to. That is the thing that man runs to the most often is that which is appealing to him physically. Uh, You can just watch uh, mankind going about their daily life and you will recognize that mankind gravitates toward that which appeals to his physical being. And in Cain's offering, Cain was gravitating towards that which appealed to his physical being. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain had an enjoyment uh, in raising crops and in raising fruits. He found fulfillment uh, in and of himself and in of his own ability in raising these crops. Therefore, he wanted a religion that surrounded that which appealed to him. Uh, Mankind gravitates towards that which appeals to them physically, but not only that, we see the lust of the eyes. Uh, We see here that man gravitates not only to that which is appealing physically, uh, but he also gravitates towards that which appeals visually. And while we do know that this applies to uh, seeing things and wanting things and covetousness and greed, we also see that this applies to understanding. We know that whenever Satan tempted Eve in the garden, and the Bible says that whenever Eve saw 
that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Within that phrase we see that not only did she visually desire the tree, but there was an understanding. She grasped what Satan was telling her is that, hey, this tree's good for the food. This tree is, is uh, something that will help you. It is a tree that will make you wise. So with the thought of uh, the lust of the eyes, we also have an idea of understanding. And you know what? Many times people will choose to not follow God because they don't understand why God set things up the way he did. God said there must be a blood sacrifice. Cain said, I don't understand why a lamb should have to die. God said blood must be shed. And Cain said, that makes no sense to me. If God wants me to bring something, I'll bring something from the fruit of the field. It makes no sense to me why a lamb has to die. And we see even today people who will not submit to God and follow God because they do not understand why God set things up the way he did. So we see here that man will gravitate to that uh, which is appealing to his flesh. He'll gravitate to that which he can understand, that which is appealing visually. But then we see also that man will gravitate and false religions will gravitate towards the pride of life. This is referring to those things that bring us satisfaction through self-exaltation. This is a sense of individual accomplishment. And I've, I'm afraid as I go through this, I'm going to overlap a lot, so y'all just bear with me uh, as we overlap. But we see here that Cain's religion appealed to his individual accomplishment. Whenever Abel brought the lamb and Abel sliced the lamb's throat, it did not speak of Abel's capability. It said that the lamb was taking care of Abel. The lamb's death was making way for Abel's entrance into God. It didn't give any merit to Abel's ability. But when Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, it only spoke of Cain's ability. You see, the fruit of the ground was the, was the fruit of his labor. Cain had tilled the ground. Cain had fought back the weeds. Cain had nurtured and cultivated and Cain had worked and he had seen these fruits and vegetables grow. He had harvested them. He had brought them. This spoke of Cain's ability. And when Cain set that offering before the Lord, it was not an offering to the Lord in substitution, but it was an offering to the Lord of Cain's ability. It was, it was gravitating towards pride of life. It was something that Cain could find satisfaction in. We see here that in Cain's religion, each of these, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are demonstrated. An offering of fruits and vegetables is far more appealing to the senses than a burnt offering. Fruit and vegetables in a basket just looks better than a lamb thrashing around its wool soaked in blood. It just looks better, basket full of fruits. We see that it was visually appealing. We see that when consumed by fire, many times the fruit of the ground will offer a fragrance when consumed by fire. But whenever a lamb thrown on the fire is burned, it smells of, of burnt hair and blood and it's singed and it's, a, it's an awful, nasty smell of death. 
Cain's offering was far more appealing. Cain's offering uh, was one uh, that, that appealed to Cain and what he was capable of doing. But whenever we take the life of an innocent animal, whenever we shed the blood of another beside ourselves, uh, it amplifies our own unworthiness. It amplifies the fact that we are unable to make a sacrifice. We are unable. There is nothing we can offer whenever something else has to shed its blood. But whenever we give the fruit of our labor, we're not giving to God anything except saying, look at me and how good I am and what I have accomplished. This is the way of Cain. The next thing that we see, uh, not only is it founded in, in human values, but we see that the way of Cain is focused on human ability. It is focused on human ability. This was the way of Cain, and it is the way of all false religions. Cain's offering spoke of, or we could say drew attention to Cain's ability. Uh, nothing was done or provided uh, for Cain. Everything about his offering, he accomplished himself. No, no, nobody had to help Cain. Boy, haven't you seen people go down this road? I remember someone that I used to try to witness to, and they said that Christians see God as a crutch, and they didn't need a crutch to lean on. This is mankind's thought. I'll come to God if I can do it in my own strength and in my own ability by showing what I am capable of. When Cain brought his offering, it was all Cain. Nobody else provided it for him. He did it himself. Uh, as I said a minute ago, he had tilled the ground. He had cultivated. He had watered. He had watched. He had reaped. This offering said nothing about God, but it said everything about Cain. You know, you can search the world over. You can look at churches here in our area. You can look at cults. You can look at pagan religions in foreign countries. In every religion you look at, you will see that they all have one thing in common. And that is that your salvation depends on what you can do. There's really only two religions in the world. There is the religion that believes in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and there is religions that believe that my salvation depends on what I can do. Cain started this. Abel said, there's nothing I can do. The lamb must die for me. Cain said, yes, there is something I can do. I can bring my works. I can bring the fruit of my hand. I can show you that I am capable. I am able to satisfy God with what I can do. And we see here that this, this way of Cain was focused on human ability. We can see clearly that Cain's offering wasn't accepted because it replaced the requirement of a sacrifice with an offering of man's ability. Look what I can do, God. This offering focused on four things in regard to human ability. First of all, we see Cain's labor. This offering highlighted Cain's labor. This is what Cain was able to do. Not only that, but we see next of all that this offering focused on Cain's expense. Uh, this offering cost Cain. Uh, it, it didn't cost the lamb. It didn't cost God. It cost Cain. It was Cain's expense. But then we see also that this offering focused on Cain's strength. 
what Cain was able to do. The Bible teaches us that without Christ we can do nothing. But this offering focused on Cain's strength. And last but not least, we see that this offering highlighted Cain's skill what Cain was able to accomplish. But there was a problem with Cain's offering, a serious problem. There was not one drop of blood. And God said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It doesn't matter how hard Cain worked. It doesn't matter how hard he tried. It doesn't matter how beautiful the offering was. It doesn't matter how appealing. It doesn't matter how much it cost him. None of that matters. What matters is that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And there are people who you and I know who are doing their very best, who are living very moral lives, who are keeping themselves away from wickedness and immorality, who are keeping themselves pure, but that is what they are trusting will get them to heaven and in essence they are bringing to God the labor of their own hands. And you say how could God possibly send someone like that to hell? How could God possibly send someone who's kept themselves clean? How could he send them to hell? Because God said without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Cain was a religious man. Cain's at church. Cain brought an offering. Cain worked hard for this offering. Cain contributed of his own wealth to religion. Actually, Cain was the first one at church. He offered his offering first. Cain was a very religious man. But Cain made a mistake in that he trusted his labor instead of trusting what God said was required. And God said, blood must be shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The shedding of blood reveals our inability. The shedding of blood requires a substitute. I cannot shed my own blood for my sin. For if I do, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So in order to shed my own blood for my sin is the judgment of death. Therefore, yes, it pays for sin, but I get no deliverance. I get no freedom if I shed my own blood. So I can't shed my own blood for my sin and find deliverance. In order for me to get deliverance, someone else or something else must shed that blood for me. So a blood sacrifice shows my inability. It shows that I am not capable. There is nothing I can do. There is no way that I can earn my salvation. It must be purchased by someone else. The shedding of blood shows my inability. It requires a substitute. The shedding of blood causes me to feel the weight of my sin. If I can bring before God an offering of my labor... My sin doesn't feel quite so heavy because I can pay the bill. But whenever someone else must die in order for me to get deliverance, the weight of my sin is magnified. It's a debt I cannot pay by myself. I cannot work it off. There's no way I can get it. The shedding of blood forces me to rely on someone else for my redemption. Why did God require that even all the way back here at the time of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, why did God require the shedding of blood? Because God was driving home the truth that we must rely on someone else for our redemption. It cannot be bought. 
Whenever we look at Cain's offering, we see that Cain's offering was attractive. Cain's offering made sense to Cain. Cain's offering allowed him to display his own worthiness before God. The Bible says that in the last day at the judgment seat, there are going to be many who say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many wonderful works in thy name? Did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not do much for the cause of Christ? And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And why is he going to say that? Because they lived wicked lives? No, they have of their own testimony said they lived a life for Christ. Then why is he calling them a worker of iniquity? because they trampled underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and depended instead on what they could do with their own hands. This is the way of Cain. And God says, depart from me. You rejected my son and his sacrifice. There's nothing you can do that will merit eternal life except accepting him. Cain's offering allowed him to display his own worthiness before God. But the problem with Cain's offering in every religion that focuses on man's ability is that we are not worthy. The Bible says uh, that all the righteousness that we do in an effort to obtain salvation is as filthy rags in comparison to what God requires. It doesn't work. There is no labor of our hands that will ever merit salvation. The reason so many false religions exist, I believe, I believe the reason that they're able to attract so many people is because they portray man as being able to obtain his own salvation. And I believe the reason the gospel is so offensive is because the gospel says you are not able to obtain your own salvation. Man likes to think that he doesn't need God. Man likes to think that he has the capability of earning his own salvation. Nobody wants to go to hell. Nobody desires to go there, but they truly believe that they can in their own ability and with their own labor merit enough goodness that God will have to let them into heaven. In other words, they are trying to prove to God, I am able to do what you say I cannot do. And thousands of people are burning in hell because they were determined to prove God wrong and say, I don't need you. And false religions grow by the thousands because the false religions teach you can earn your salvation. And that appeals to man because no man wants to admit his inability. And so they flock to him and they devote their lives to all sorts of, of uh, un, unnecessary hardships trying to prove that they're what God wants. And the whole time God says, the shedding of blood is what I require. The shedding of blood is what I require. This is the way of Cain. We see then that it was founded on human values and we see uh, that it focused uh, on human ability. But then the third thing we see about the way of Cain is that it's fueled by human satisfaction. This is what fuels it, is that it satisfies the human's desire. False religions ignore the witness of the Spirit they ignore the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. 
They ignore the fact that the Holy Spirit confirms within you whether or not you're a child of God. They ignore that. And instead they look to their own satisfaction as being the, uh, the thing that confirms their salvation. Am I satisfied? Do I feel good about this? Does this make me feel accomplished? And they ignore the witness of the Spirit and focus on this instead. We see here that Cain's offering was fueled by human satisfaction in two ways. First of all, it was visually satisfying. It was visually satisfying. Its appearance was pleasing to Cain. His offering simply looked better. Now, if we could put that in modern terms where we could understand it, there are people who have devoted their lives to Christ in a manner that I never will. There are monks who live in monasteries who never interact with society and devote their entire life to such things as copying down the Word of God or, or some type of a church business. They never come out. They never interact. They never marry. They never have families. They never visit with their families. They spend their entire life in total dedication to God, they think. Total dedication to God. And then there are others who have accepted the blood of Christ, who continue to live normal lives, who have families, who have automobiles, who enjoy themselves, who go on vacations. If you put them side by side and say, which one is God the most likely to accept? If we look at it with human reasoning, we would say there's no question the monk should go to heaven first. His offering looks better. It's visually appealing when we're looking in the regards of satisfying human desires. It's visually appealing. It looks good. It looks like what God would want, but it's not what God wants. God says to the monk, why are you wasting your life in such a manner? Simply believe in the blood of my son. And we could go through hundreds of examples of people who have spent their life trying to please God but never accepting Christ. And whenever you put them side by side, their offering looks better. Cain's offering looked better, sitting there on the altar, this beautiful basket full of fresh fruits and vegetables was visually appealing. I mean, it's how the farmer's markets get us to stop and buy things. Brother Randy was telling me about stopping at a grocery store the other day. He, he made the sign, and so he thought he'd go in and look around, and he said, what was it, $80 later he left? I mean, he just, uh, you know, they put that produce out there. It's visually attractive. Cain's offering looked good. It looked appealing. It looked like something that... Cain, uh, would, uh, Cain would want. Cain would want to have that. And so he was a, it was visually attractive. Uh, a bleeding lamb, that was appalling for Cain to look at. The lamb thrashing around and throwing blood everywhere. This is appalling to look at. But we see here that what was the marker, what the gauge was, what Cain was gauging his religion by, was does it satisfy me, not does it satisfy God. All false religions are gauged by the level of human satisfaction, not God's satisfaction. Not only was it visually satisfying, but we see that Cain's offering was also mentally satisfying. It was mentally satisfying. Cain could stand back and look at his offering with pride. 
Cain looked at that offering and he said, I done good. You know what? Whenever your religion causes you to think, I done good, you better check up because it's only by God. It's only by Him. It is only by His grace. It is only Jesus that makes it possible. But Cain stood back and looked at that offering and he said, Wow, I done good. Look at all I accomplished. Look at all I did. He felt justified as he looked at it. He looked at the effort he had expended in preparing this beautiful offering that he had heaped up before God. And Cain said, Look at what I've done. And he was mentally satisfied in what he had accomplished. How could God possibly want anything more than what Cain had offered? Cain looked at that offering and because of what it had cost him, because of the labor he had put in it, he felt worthy. He felt confident of God's acceptance. But we see that God did not accept his offering. This is the premise of every false religion. We can satisfy God. The premise of every false religion says we can appease God. Even religions that worship false gods, the premise of the religion is we can appease the false god. We can do enough to stave off their judgment. We can do enough. It's all about us. If you want to determine is a religion true or is it false, you just find out if the person is depending on themselves or if they're depending on God. You ask someone, are you sure that you're going to heaven? A religious person that worships, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And if they answer you with, I hope so, then you know that their religion is about them, it's not about God. Because when it's about God, there's no hope so. He's taking care of it. All false religions focus on me. All true religions focus on God. We see here that Cain's religion failed because of human inability. As Cain put this offering together, he was highlighting what his ability was. He was displaying before God what he was capable of. He thought that he had set before God an offering that God could not turn down, but all God saw was Cain's inability. You see, God's looking way deeper than what we can do with our hands. God's looking at far more than what we can accomplish within ourselves. God wants to see more. And when Cain displayed his fruits and vegetables, God said, but Cain, I see your heart. And that is what I'm interested in changing. And it failed because of human inability. I see four things here that was wrong that, that came to the surface in Cain's religion, and I believe you will see these same things surface in many false religions. The first thing I see surfacing was a human reaction, a human reaction. In verse number 8, it says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother. This is after God rejected his offering. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. What do I see here? A human reaction. Cain said, God did not accept my offering. And Cain, who said, killing a lamb is too bloody for me, took a knife and slew his brother. Whenever you see a false religion, you will find that when these false religions recognize they are not accepted by God, they will respond with force. 
It's a human reaction. False religions respond with a human reaction. A true religion, a religion that is after God, will respond with a godly reaction. They respond with love and compassion and kindness and gentleness. But a false religion will respond and react with force. Not only we see a human reaction, but we see a human response. In verse number 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? What we see here is deception. Deception. A human response. God said, where's your brother? Cain said, I don't know. And false religions, whenever they begin to get exposed, will resort to deception. And we could give many, many, many examples of people that have resorted to deception to keep their false religion alive. We could look at faith healers. And I'm telling you what, there are hundreds of examples of faith healers who have resorted to deception to keep their false religion alive. It's a human response, a human reaction. But then we see that these false religions result in a human reality. In Genesis 4, there in verse 10 through 12, Cain, uh, Cain or God talking, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. We see here that Cain's religion resulted in futility. The very thing that Cain marked as his main strength was the ability to till the ground and produce crops. And God said, you'll never again have a good crop. You'll never be able to raise fruit again. I've taken that away from you we see that Cain lived a life of futility. And there are many people who are following false religions, who are giving it their all, who deep down in their heart know that everything they're doing is for naught. They know that there's no way they'll ever merit heaven. And they live a life of despair and futility, wondering if it's going to work. When if they would simply trust the blood of the Lamb, they wouldn't have to worry anymore. False religions result in futility, and then we see a human remorse. There in verse 13 down through verse number 16, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. The Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord shall set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. We see a human remorse. If you remember, God had given Cain the opportunity to repent and Cain turned it down. We see a human remorse. Cain was not sorry for his sin. He wasn't sorry that he offered the fruits of the ground. He wasn't sorry that he had taken his brother's life. There was no repentance. But there was a grief in his heart that God had placed what he felt was an unjust judgment upon his life. And in false religions, you will see that whenever God passes judgment, there's no repentance, but instead there's increased anger at God that he would pass such an unjust judgment on me. This is where the saying, God couldn't throw such good people in hell, comes from. 
because they're focused on their ability. And when God says, that's not what I'm looking for, instead of repenting, their anger increases. Not only is there no, no true repentance, but we also see that they live in a life of fear, never knowing what tomorrow holds because there's no peace. When my eternity depends on me, no, nobody knows you better than you know you. And boy, we can paint a pretty picture for everybody else to see. But whenever I am by myself and I am considering myself and I am thinking that who I am determines my eternity, if I am honest, I will admit my eternity is shaky at best. And you can't have a life of peace and contentment when your eternity is hinging on yourself. And false religions are filled with people who live a life of fear, never knowing what tomorrow might hold. Cain's offering failed because while Cain felt that it exalted his ability and amplified who he was and what he could do, what it truly did was revealed what he could not do. And that was Cain could not pay for his own sin. He felt that it showed what he could do, and God said what it's really shown is, Cain, you can't accomplish this on your own. The way of Cain avoids the sacrifice of another in our place in lieu of an attempt to exhibit our own goodness. And I believe that every false religion that exists to this day continues to follow the way of Cain in rejecting the cleansing power of the blood and instead substitutes an offering of their own strength and their own ability. When we look at the way of Cain, we need to remind ourselves to beware of the way of Cain. Whenever we see our loved ones and we see the religion that they are following, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in taking Brother Raider Odgan's members. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in taking Brother Heath Spivey's members or um, other churches of like faith. I'm, I'm not interested in taking their members and bringing them here. Matter of fact, I often, if I'm witnessing to someone who lives close to those churches, I will recommend those churches and say, hey, this is a lot closer. This is a good church. You ought to try them out. You ought to go there. And I'll send them there because they're churches of like faith. I'm not, I'm not looking to take their members to grow this church. But I have no hesitation whatsoever whenever there is someone who is steeped in a false religion that is teaching them that their own works can merit them salvation in letting them know you are believing in a false religion. You are believing in something that's going to send you to hell and clearly teaching them the word of God. We need to beware of the way of Cain. Cain said, I can do it on my own. And God said, Cain, it's going to cost you your life. And Cain didn't repent, but instead continued trying to prove that he was enough. If we get nothing else from this lesson, we get this. We're not enough. We'll never be enough. But Jesus has made a way. And it's so much easier. It's so much easier than what the false religions declare. We serve him out of love for what he done for us, not in an effort to earn our salvation.